Welcome to the Stop, Drop, and Glow podcast, navigating life and wellness to achieve the ultimate glow up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stop, Drop, and Glow. Today, we're sitting with the lovely Brenda, also known as the Wandering Boston Eater. Hello, Brenda. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Today is like one of the top, most beautiful days of spring 2019. We're finally inching there. So I literally have the AC blasting right now. Like, we have no shame. (laughs) Brenda has a nice coffee. She got her hydro flask on deck. And we are sipping coffee because we fancy here. Hashtag not sponsored, high <laughs> last, but if you want to sponsor me, please do. Catch the hint. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I brought Brenda in today because I've been following her for a while. Chastity literally was like, so my roommate has a blog. And I was like, she has a blog? So I've been following you literally for like two and a half years now since <laughs> me and Chastity have known each other. Um, and I love food. So Brenda does a food blog focusing mostly on the Boston area and then she's kind of been branching out and she'll talk more about that as we progress with today's episode but I'm a huge fan love your picture love your aesthetic we're going to kind of dive into all of that but we're really here to talk about kind of who you are what do you do what brought you to your present day and I'll give you a chance the floor is all yours to introduce yourself yeah so who am I I am a person with many interests and passions in life Um, And what I do is I pursue these interests and passions. So this comes both in my personal and professional life, where in my personal life, I have a love of food and travel, communicating and storytelling, and having um, a way and platform to demonstrate this is through visual storytelling, such as photographs. Um, In my professional life, I uh, work in supply chain full-time at a pharmaceutical company managing clinical supplies. And that's very exciting for me too because I love supply chain. Um, Supply chain exists in all aspects of our lives, not just in pharmaceutics. Um, So in all industries, you can find supply chain and it's just really interesting to break down the operations. So through that, I actually parallel um, my interest in operations and supply chain in both the pharmaceutical world for my professional life and the food world for my personal life. That is badass. And you have that down to like a science, just how you you are able to vocalize how you manage both your professional life and your creative side. So I really like that. Can you just tell us, dive right in, like how did you start or when did you start? What year kind of the Wandering Boston Eater was born? Yeah, so actually fun fact, Wandering Boston Eater was Boston in my mouth uh, <laughs> when I first founded it because I thought I was being fun and cheeky and I personally think I'm hilarious. <laughs> I um, like it. And I started this page about three and a half years ago officially. So I've actually always wanted to be a writer all of my life. Um, and in high school I was gearing up to be an English major for college. So I was taking like AP language and composition, my AP English teacher, if you're listening, remember how you told me to never use the word interesting, and then you thought I'd plagiarize, and look at where I am now. (laughs) Sucka! (laughs) Anyway, so I was gearing up to be an English major, I really loved focusing on communication, and then, you know, some some personal instances happened in my life, um, and it made me question whether or not I should go to school for English or continue health sciences, because... Um, I recognized that I had the ability, I thought I was an intelligent enough individual to be able to just pursue something that could just help other people. 
Uh, so senior year, I challenged myself um, to making sure that I wrote an anecdote a day on a blog. Uh, so if anybody ever used Zanga, shout out to all my Zanga folks that still follow me today. Throwback Thursday. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I was a Zanga celebrity on Zanga. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was the, the real first instance of my social media fame, I suppose. Um, but then that actually helped identify for me that I didn't need to be an English major in order to be a writer or in order to communicate with people. Yeah. So I went to school for originally my doctor of pharmacy to be a pharmacist and I started working in a pharmacy on day one of college and I pretty much committed myself to science because this was a whole new territory for me. So I abandoned my creative side for a short period of time just to pursue my my interests in wanting to help people in my professional life or what would be eventually my professional life. I switched out of my doctor of pharmacy to get my bachelor's because I realized I didn't want to be a pharmacist anymore. I really enjoyed the operations behind the pharmacy and some of the regulatory aspects as well and just wanted to explore more. And once I got my first job out of college, a year after graduating, which it is okay to not get a job immediately after college. Well, the pressure is so real. Yes, it's a super difficult time, especially area in Boston, to try to get a job when it's very saturated with um, high college graduates, um, with being the biggest city uh, of all the colleges in the country. And actually, did you know that Boston has more colleges than all of Canada? <laughs> oh my god, I did not. Yeah, so it's <laughs> yeah, that's and so that's why if you're not finding a job immediately after college like I did, don't fret because there's going Move to be to something. <laughs> There's going to be something somewhere for someone at some point. Um, it just may not be the timeline that everyone thinks that you're supposed to meet. So once I eventually got a job out of college, I was like, well, check that off my bucket list. I'm finally employed. Then my next bucket list was move into the city. And so that was when I moved in with Chastity. Okay. <laughs> Chastity, say hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. So Chastity uh, is actually my first and only ever roommate that I've ever had. Um, and we lived together at two different apartments through Boston. So that's a whole other story. But I'm so glad that she's here with me today. <laughs> I'm the moral support yeah. <laughs> for both of you. Seriously. <laughs> and so then I wanted to begin pursuing my personal interests again because I just didn't feel like I was happy. Happy. Mm -hmm. And what made me happy was being able to understand, well, first of all, why wasn't I happy? Because um, my creative interests were abandoned. Um, so I needed to find a way to connect the dots again. Um, all throughout college, since I commuted in and out of Boston um, from my parents' house, and so did many of my friends in college, we all didn't have a dorm, so we oftentimes dined out um, around the city as a way to spend time away from our classwork. Yeah. So because of my, uh, I guess, inherent you know, nature of just wanting to document everything and photograph everything and write about everything, I always took photos of food, and this is like in the coming age of uh, the phone having a really you know, amazing camera coming to play. So as the phone's camera um, began to uh, increase with its capabilities, my usage of my phone's camera also did too. Um, I had an archive of food photos and about three and a half years ago, it was actually the beginning of 2015, I started just thinking about what could I be doing um, to really pursue this again. I want to just start connecting with people again. There's no way that I'm the only one that enjoys food. I'm always being asked people, I'm always being asked by people 
where do I go to eat? Uh, where should I go take my date? Where should I go take my parents? Um, and you know, what's the best place for coffee? And so on and so forth. The list goes on and on. And I'm like, well, people are clearly asking me. Yeah. Why don't I just give them a you resource? Have the secret sauce. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I need to give a resource. That way, first of all, I can stop answering the same exact questions. I'm yeah. sorry. And then second of all, um, that way it's, Clearly, people are coming to me for a reason. They're finding me as a resource, and I want to be that resource because, again, this is another method that I could be helping people out. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate that you touched on two really great things, which is finding your happiness and being a resource, which I think is like almost like traits or, or gifts that people overlook often. So I really like that early on you channel those things and you were like, no, I, I'm bringing this for my own sake and for other people's sake. So I like that. Yeah, I think early on I was channeling that because I just, I didn't find that for myself. Yeah. So, um, and this is actually something I had had many of nights crying with the chastity, just being like, why is this absent in my life right now? What am I doing wrong? And it's yeah. like, you know what? If it's not going to be there for me, I need to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and how do I make it happen? And that was my next goal was like trying to say, like, lay down the pathway for me to get to where I want to be. Did you find challenges like when you were first starting it? Like, okay, I am gonna post this many times a week. Did you have did you have challenges like balancing it and then also like making connections in the foodies world? Yeah, or? absolutely. So. My initial intention when I was going and starting this was I want to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, in my mind, I wanted to just be a writer. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that people stray away from traditional media of reading. Who mm -hmm. reads anymore? Not very many people, unless yeah. it's only like 150 characters. Um, and that's really difficult. But And also, it's like, how do we even get people to want to read what I have to say? And so my first goal was build an audience. Mm -hmm. So I recognized that with my archive of food photos and with Instagram coming up so hot, because this was right after Facebook had acquired Instagram too, mm -hmm. that the whole platform was changing and I wanted to really just jump on the train of Instagram and really be able to utilize it in a way that is straying from my personal intentions. So now at this point, I'm like, I'm going to take my archive of food photos and try this out. I'm going to start this Boston in my mouth page. And it was like, it was my day off. I remember it was a Monday that I was just laying in bed and I'm starting this Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, let's just post up, you know, like five photos, like within the span of an hour. Um, they're all fairly decent photos in my opinion, and actually some of them I still keep up on my page today, mm -hmm. um, and just go from there. And then I started seeing like what are hashtags people are using and doing research in terms of how to geotag places, how to comment on people's photos that seem like it would you know link back to my page and everything too, and just see how I can gain traction. Um, so the first year of me doing this, I did this all from my archive photos and then anytime I was dining out because again this was something I just like to do in my own time like I dine out because that's the way I like to connect with people I like to break bread with people yeah. so I've never needed to uh, be invited somewhere to go somewhere this was already something I was doing way before this became a thing for me and next thing I know a year later I realized I got I was sitting in my parents basement with my cousin it was Columbus Day and it was rainy um, a year after my page was up and I realized 
that I was getting invited somewhere. Somebody had messaged me on Instagram asking me to come to an event, and I freaked out. I remember I threw my phone on the futon, and I was like, <laughs> people get invited to events like this? Yeah. And that first event opened my world because at this point, we I had been chatting with some people on Instagram, but we've never met face-to-face. So this first event brought together a lot of different Instagrammers, mm-hmm. and this was the beginning of the influencer scene here in Boston, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, there really weren't that many Boston influencers at this time, about two and a half years ago. So now I'm at my first event, and I'm realizing this is an actual thing that happened. Yeah. And after that first event, something happened. Like, I was about to hit 5,000 followers, I remember, and it just, my page just started blowing up where... Brands started recognizing me, restaurants wanted to work with me, and I started building a community of people with who are other who are also bloggers. Mm-hmm. And that was really fascinating to me. So I guess the challenge that I at first experienced was trying to gain that traction to even get to that point of mm-hmm. getting that first invite. And I was unhealthily on my phone all the time. Yeah. Um, the algorithm at the time was in chronological order, RIP. And it was really easy to be able to see who had posted most recently. So there was a schedule of when you knew people were on their phones, just based on how you engage with other people and what you saw from engagement. So I actually started making my own analytics before analytics really became a thing. And I would just keep track of at what time did I post a a photo in my own spreadsheet, what time did I post, how many likes and engagement did this get within 24 hours, um, and what was that engagement ratio. So that way I could start just calculating this for myself and figuring out, okay, when do I need to post? When do I need to comment with people? When is the best time for me to uh, interact with other people to see who's going to interact with me? So that way I can, again, get that traction, get that audience, because my goal is to be a writer and start a blog at some point. Yeah. So how far between the Instagram page did you decide to do the writing and do the blogging kind of more? Like, obviously Instagram is... Yeah, you can write a deep, meaningful caption, but it kind of doesn't go beyond that. And then, yeah, you'll get a couple of comments. But blog is kind of more that, like, home for all that content. When did you decide, like, yeah. the Instagram, and then now we're going to have my website? So, in 2016, this is actually when I, so about six months into being Boston in my mouth and realizing I'm getting traction, and I'm like, dude, I need to change my name because, <laughs> like, I'm getting too much notoriety as Boston in my mouth that it's like a little too crass for me to actually ever go up to somebody and be like, hello, shake my hand, my name is Boston in my mouth. Pause. (laughs) (laughs) uh... And yeah, so I'm like, I gotta change it. And um, in 2016, I was doing quite a bit of traveling. I had quite a bit of traveling planned. I had um, a trip to D.C. planned, a trip to Miami for my sister's bachelorette at the time. Wow, it's so weird to think about it that long ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, trip to New York planned. And then my sister's wedding, my sister and her husband's wedding, um, was in Florence, Italy. Wow. So this was really what kicked off me wanting to launch my page because – I wanted to be able to real-time document my first time traveling abroad solo. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have done domestic trips within the States um, alone, but I had never traveled abroad by myself before. And this was going to be a new experience. Not only was my sister, my only sister, getting married. Hi, Julie. Um, 
But also, I decided to take that as a catalyst for me to go somewhere on my own because I'd always dreamed of going to Paris in high school. I studied French in high school, and I wanted to somehow make my way to Paris after being in Florence for the family wedding, well, for my sister's wedding and then my mom's birthday. So it was a whole family affair. Um, and so I went to Florence. I from Florence, my family left. Every my sister and her husband went on their honeymoon, and I went off to Rome. Um, and I traveled abroad for the first time alone. And then afterwards, I went to Paris, and that was amazing. And yeah, and then the rest of 2016, I had a few more trips planned. But that was really what kicked off me wanting to start the page, because I felt like that was a huge milestone in my life in order to almost propel me to really connect the dots that I've been laying down together. I like that you mentioned that solo travel can kind of be like, almost like a trigger to, to start something new because it's like you're alone, you gotta figure it out. I know you said you said was it French that you studied? Yeah. You studied a little bit of French, but like you don't know Italian. So kind of like almost this bravery that you were just like, it's happening, I'm here and it's going down. This shift kind of almost opened a new chapter for you. So yes. I really I really like how those two connect. I'm wondering how is it when you do decide to collab with someone? Because now that's like a main portion of like how you um, create your content, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, how is it, can you like kind of walk us and the listeners through, how is it, do people reach out to you all the time? Do you reach out to them and like pitch some ideas and then does like the kind of food they offer or like what their, their niche is and like their, their theme, their food, um, does that impact whether you're like, oh yeah, I'll collab with you or like, no, like I'm going to step away from this one. I'm kind of wondering like what your, kind of almost your everyday life in approaching how you create your content is going now and how it flows. Yeah, so I used to feel very pressured to accept every invitation that came mm -hmm. along my way when I first started um, to get invitations. And there were some nights when I first started that I would have two to three visits in a night after work. Um, and this is like after my day job. And then I would be out all evening and then it would, I would start all over again the next day. Um, at this point today, um, there's been a huge transition between when I started to where I am now because I also spent some time to work in a restaurant afterwards, um, too, where I wanted to be able to learn the steps in operation within the restaurant also after a conversation with Chastity, too, I have to say. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Chastity has really seen a lot of the milestones with yeah. this whole brand um, all together, too. But I worked at the restaurant because... Um, and I actually remember this conversation with her distinctly. We were sitting at a cafe, and I'm like standing, I'm sitting across from her, and I'm like talking to her about this one issue that I won't bring up right now, just because of the uh, contents of what was going on. But I just wanted to understand what is going to, what will make me qualify to be a writer in food one day. I don't understand what I have to do to be a more qualified individual where everybody feels like they have the opportunity to say and write whatever they want now on social media and how do I stand out. Um, and she was talking to me about, you know, her experiences working in restaurants too and that was something I was very aware of when we were living together as well. And. I was like, you know what, I, if I'm spending all this time after work going to two to three restaurants a day, why don't I reshift my focus and instead go to a restaurant to actually work in the restaurant instead? Mm -hmm. And I um, started working at Pagu in Cambridge. 
um, back in August 2017, and I started as a host. So at the time, I was working at the company right upstairs. So in the morning, I'd be working 7 to 4, and then in the evening, I'd be working like 4.30 at the host stand until like 11 or something, mm -hmm. depending on the day, sometimes 9, sometimes 11. And on the weekends, like I'd be working doubles and everything too. And I really just started learning the grind and understanding what was it like in the restaurant. And this is also when I really started stepping into supply chain operations and my full-time uh -huh. job in parallel. So here I am really seeing for the first time the steps of operation inside the restaurant and really putting the pieces together. So now, fast forward, um, I spent some time being the media manager um, and publicist and in-house photographer um, during the, the tail end of my time at the restaurant before my full-time job started picking up and really you know, taking precedence. So I was able to see the interactions um, with media professionals as well as influencers on both yeah. sides of the spectrum now. So now if we actually then fast forward again to today, um, I am actually quite particular about the people I and the um, brands I choose to collaborate with. Mm -hmm. I would actually more so enjoy going out and dining as a regular patron on my own dime and then writing about that on my page versus being invited somewhere. But I've also become friends with a lot of people in this industry too. Mm -hmm. I've developed relationships with many different PR teams that I want to help them out and I want to work with them. Yeah. Are there places that I don't want to go to? Absolutely. Um, and if I, if I get invited somewhere and I don't want to go, I won't. I don't feel pressured to go because I think that um, that is actually a part of my brand that I've created now is um, having that authentic voice and being mm -hmm. able to talk about how I'm not always going places invited and this is actually somewhere I'm spending money and going out on my own and this is what you could be spending too. Yeah. I'm hearing kind of almost like you were able to like learn where you want to invest your time, invest your energy, and then also learning how to draw boundaries. Do you think there was like a specific turning point for that? Or it was like, okay, I've been doing this for X amount of years. Like I, I understand what I bring to the table and my value. Or was there like a specific experience or shift or it was yeah. kind of overall? Yeah, there was definitely not maybe, maybe not so much a turning point. I guess it was this one event where I thought I was at a point where I am qualified and should be qualified to be able to share what I am saying to other people. And I felt like I was skilled enough to do that because I was seeing other people who I felt like didn't have the same or if not had less experience than yeah. me. And so this is again where I was like, what do I do to stand out? Because now there's an influx of loggers that are coming mm -hmm. out left and right. Yeah. And what do I have to do to make myself stand out? Mm -hmm. So there's a few things that shifted. Um, one was my, my motive and my shift in mentality. So originally my, mo my motive was gain an audience yeah. and I would do whatever it took to gain the audience. I was on my phone all the time. I was on my phone on my breaks. I was on my phone when I got home. I was on my phone on the train. I was just not even looking at the screen and just liking, yeah. scrolling and liking, just like on autopilot and it's like, oh, that's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I'm constantly just like thinking about like what content will look good next, what is my mm -hmm. content like, and if I wasn't on my phone just liking random posts on Instagram and trying to comment as much as I could, because just so you know, FYI world, bots are a thing, and some people use them, 
I never wanted to use bots because that is called cheating. Yeah. And also, why would I spend my money on bots when I could spend my money on food? Yeah. True story. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through that whole like shift in mentality of not trying to ha- so hard in um, trying to gain an audience because also the algorithm for Instagram keeps on changing yeah. and that just destroys <laughs> everybody on Instagram yeah. who considers themselves an influencer mm-hmm. because uh, wow when the algorithm changes we just have to figure out what the hell is going on and then figure out how do we get our content out there so there was a while when I saw a dip in my content um, in terms of my engagement and it just really gave me a lot of fatigue where I just felt really stressed out thinking, why am I trying so hard with this right now? What am I actually getting out of this? What was the reason why I'm doing this again? And it's like, oh, I'm doing this because I want to write, because I want to communicate. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I barely wrote in my blog because I was so fixated and focused on building my Instagram. And so how am I going to balance both right now? And that was really difficult for me. And on top of that, then I was also stepping into the restaurant and doing um, the social media for the restaurant too, as well as being a contributor for two other pages. So I was a contributor um, for Top Food News, which Mm -hmm. is primarily a West Coast um, food Instagram page. And then I was a community leader for quite a while for Best Food Boston too. And then that whole, the Best Food feed demographic has changed completely as well. So So, you were real busy. (laughs) Yeah, I was on my phone all the time. Um, But I wanted to do what I could to Mm -hmm. be able to build my foundation and make myself a qualified individual as an influencer, as a blogger, as a person who is the point of contact to be able to share my experiences. Um, But once this was really just starting to fatigue me personally, that's when I knew that I needed to just make some real changes for myself and just realign my goals and understand what are my goals and what are my intentions. Awesome. Do you think that like your social life has shifted since becoming a food blogger? I know you said like a lot of the reason you enjoy this is because you like to connect with people and that you've made great connections and friendships and um, met other bloggers and PR teams and stuff. Do you think it has uh, heavily impacted like your social life and how you kind of navigate through social scenes or yes, no? Absolutely. Um, before even becoming an influencer, and I actually like I don't even like to really call Hate myself an influencer <laughs> blogger, but so many people have called me that that yeah. I just roll with it now. But I guess before becoming an influencer, I was always somebody who um, navigated through various social groups anyway, mm-hmm. and um, this was something that I was always wondering like how do I best connect with people. Um, and also what am I doing that could change? Um, am I good enough to be a good friend? And if not, then why am I not getting certain friendships, you know, in reciprocation? And this really comes down to connecting with people and understanding people. So this was, this has always been an interest of mine is really trying to understand people as people. Mm -hmm. And with their various experiences, um, you know, in social engagements uh, with friends or otherwise, and how like my race, my body type has really impacted um, the way people engage with me in a face-to-face basis and the comments I receive, um, and then also then seeing this off uh, on the on the internet world too. Um, and how that would ultimately escalate because people are terrible trolls on the internet and suddenly think they can't trace anything back to you. But it's like, yeah. suck a surprise. It's like the internet <laughs> gotcha. can totally trace you and we can find you. And it's like, 
thinking about how how people are engaging with me online and offline mm-hmm. um, really does make me pause in terms of how I engage with people too because I went into food blogging thinking I was going to find other like-minded people who love food as much as me um, and also had the same intention of wanting to share people's stories and share each other's stories. And unfortunately, what I find is this is social media. So people are instead very much consumed by the fame and the free and just getting more and more and more and just Mm -hmm. the consumerism um, and the consumer culture overall. And it's, that's just not my motive or intention. So it's, kind of going back to square one where I'm like, all right, well, I didn't find my social group that I was thinking I was going to find from going into this. And instead I realign and I, a lot of times now I use these uh, experiences that I have where if I get plus ones, sometimes, a lot of times I'll bring my friends and I like circle through my friends who want to go. Mm -hmm. I see who's taking advantage of me and then I see who's not. And if they're taking advantage of me and only hanging out with me whenever I have like an event to invite them to, but not going to hang out with me otherwise, Mm -hmm. that also makes me reevaluate my relationship with them as well. So... Overall, it's definitely made me evaluate who I'm spending time with and how I'm spending time with people. And then it also gives me an opportunity to be like, hey, I'm going to meet somebody new and I'll invite people that I've never hung out with before. Yeah. I've gone on dates with people that are just like, hey, come to this like party with me. It's a launch party or something. They're like, what? And I'm like, open bar. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> never say no to open bar. <laughs> yeah, everything too. Or it's like, it will be somebody that I haven't caught up with in years. They either went to high school or college with mm-hmm. or something. And I'm like, come out with me and like, mm-hmm. let's just like catch up. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like literally like everything's going to be all set and everything too. And just think of this as a, like, we are just spending time together and this just happens to be added like yeah. into the experience. A little sprinkle on top. Yeah. I, I think that now with like influencer being like a thing, it is a job or it is a, a very intense hobby or a very intense commitment. And I think a lot of the time we think influencer, we think free. And I like that you brought that up because it's like, oh, so-and-so is an influencer. She gets all this free makeup or oh, she gets all this free, I don't know, alcohol or free, whatever free may be and look like in their field. Um, I like that you really like say like, I would much rather go somewhere and spend my dime because I want to be there. I want to enjoy it and be present instead of like fake smiling or like, putting filters all over this like sushi roll or whatever it may be or like yeah burger Um, that's why i um i actually i've gotten really fed up with people who somehow magically always look hot eating food yeah because (laughs) i just don't understand i really don't get it and i you know not to call anybody out but i know these people don't even know what they're eating half the time yeah and that's really frustrating to me and also it comes into the fact that i again really care about the story of the people who are making the food the the origin of the dishes For culturally sure. and from the story of like whoever is creating it the people who are working in the industry and everything too like i care so much about that so to see that being disrespected it just like hurts me so much because and I know that I'm being lumped in with that group of people and it's really frustrating and so I actually started a hashtag of um hashtag real people really eating food and yeah. it's now just become a collection of photos of me eating food uh so if that's really something yeah. you want to see then go for it but it's <laughs> a real, check it yeah but it's a it's a real uh I'm trying to just demonstrate like hey 
This is me actually eating food. Sometimes I look cute in it because I'm half the time laughing when I'm taking the photo. Yeah. So sorry, I'm super giggly. This is just who I am as an individual. Um, but other times it's like I literally look for a task. I'm wearing no makeup and stuff like that too. And it's not sexy. Yeah, I literally wrote in here in my notes, hashtag real people eating food, arrow, not sexy eating. Yep. So <laughs> I hope I remember what that means. Hashtag. sounds real scandalous. Yep. Hashtag real people really eating food. So I always like to bring people on and kind of ask them, like, what do you define as a glow up that can be in your career, in your spiritual life, in your content creating, in your writing, whatever it may be, and kind of what experiences you may have gone through that kind of have brought you to, like, that um, manifestation of, like, wow, I'm in a good place. Yeah, so (laughs) I guess what would you define as a glow up? I don't know. For me right now, like, I... For me, I would say I'm a mom, so just like really finding balance and learning how, for right now for me, is learning how to be a little selfish because I put everyone before me. So understanding that like because I go to the gym during dinner time, like I'm not a bad person. <laughs> I just want to go get in a workout. Or like if I want to go to Target by myself in silence, <laughs> I'm not a bad person. Um, and kind of just learning to balance like, okay, my son has swim lessons, but I want to record this podcast. Like, this podcast was a big commitment for me because I have so much going on already. But I am passionate about it. So I was like, I am going to make time for it. And Chastity is a big pusher on that. She's like, listen, you can do this. Like, you just need to be consistent. And she's like, listen, I don't have a baby. I can help you. So Chastity is my producer. Shout out to Chastity. <laughs> I don't have a baby, but I will take one. <laughs> take mine. No, I'm kidding. Um, so sometimes it's just like in between wanting to do so much. Um, right now, in, in present time, my glow up would be like just being a little selfish and finding that balance. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That was yeah. like way too, way too much. No, no, no. That's, that's great. Um, because, again, like I think like everybody has their own experience in terms of like what a glow up is. Exactly. And I think that's what makes it special. Right. And Sometimes. I would say I, I don't know if I have had a glow up or if I'm still in process of a glow up. We or, welcome processes. Or <laughs> if I'm just going to continuously glow up because I'm not going to stop Hell yes. to pursue my interests and my passions. I like and that. My interests and my passions will continue to realign and shift as life goes on because, you know, it's not a perfect plan. It's not going to be uh, a very linear route. Like, I, I might go backwards sometimes, and then that might make me go forward in other ways that I never imagined to go. Um, so right now, I think if I compare myself to where I was when I first started uh, Wandering Boston Eater... Um, I would definitely say I've glowed up because I, in both in my personal and professional life, because my personal alignment, I have shifted exponentially in terms of where I'm focusing and, again, actually focusing on myself more so than other people because I, too, have been incredibly guilty of putting myself um, last and putting everybody else first, and um, that's not sustainable. So this brand in and of itself has uh, come to fruition based on my learning how to be selfish. Mm -hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. Some people, it comes very, very easily, unfortunately. Second nature. (laughs) Yes. And for other people like me, it doesn't. And for me, it's been really learning how to understand and also how to cope with this because 
Um, this then leads into how I feel like I've also glowed up in my professional life because I not only am ambitious in my personal life, but I'm also making sure I'm laying down the pathway in my professional life because not only do I love what I do professionally, but it also pays my bills. So I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing in my professional life too, as passionate as I am in the industry that I'm in, this also supports the lifestyle that I'm living. And that's very important for me to have that self-awareness. For sure. I like that. You just got to balance your energies. You got to make sure that you are present and you are kind of always in a good standing place because if you're so fatigued and so like drained from whatever you're focusing on, like 80, 20, you got to make sure you're redistributing those energies like 50, 50, Um, especially you who literally has like your career, your day, and then you have your career, your nights, or your weekends, or whatever. Um, or so, the both. Or, or both. <laughs> Phone on your brakes, <laughs> like all the, all the time, on the go. Um, so lastly, I wanted to ask a little fun question. Um, if you have like one or two glow tips that you'd give to the listeners, anything that you think would be a glow up tip? I would say set intentions. Um, I like that. And this is, this can change as time goes on, but Every week, I make a point to, um, so on Sunday nights, you know, during the Sunday scaries, they're actually not so scary for me because what it means is I'm evaluating what's coming ahead for me. And what does this mean is it means new opportunities I'm going to be experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I look at my schedule and I have three different calendars all on my phone. So one for my, uh, my work, one for Wandering Boston Eater, and then one for my personal life. And I have that all on my phone, so it's a little overwhelming to look at sometimes, (laughs) but I have a planner that I actually, um, a passion planner, oh, and it's, uh, legit. it's one of the blank passion planners too. And I try to make a point um, on Sunday nights to look at my calendar and just spend an hour to just like get creative in terms of just doodling in my own planner. Okay, what are my intentions for the week? What do I plan for this week? Am I... Do I have the food that I need to have cooked ready for myself? Will I have any food waste left over from any visits that I have coordinating from the week? Am I working out? Am I working out enough right now? Do I, did I schedule enough time for myself in terms of classes? Um, how am I actually feeling? Like checking in with myself yeah. and saying, does this seem exhausting? What I've been doing the past few weeks that led up to this point? Like, have I given myself a break? And then sometimes I actually honestly cancel some of the engagements that I have because I'm, I just haven't had a day for myself and I just need to have not even just a day for myself, but just a night for myself after work and just be able to go home and just lay in bed, watch Netflix, maybe edit some photos on my phone or on my iPad and just kind of just sleep at 8 PM for once in my life. And that's fine. And it's okay to say no, because that is my intention. So Set intentions. That's really important because if you don't know what you want, how do you know where you're going to be? Mm -hmm. Nice. I really like that. Um, So the second part of the fun question is, do you have like a favorite food or favorite cocktail that like you pull up somewhere and you're like, yes, they have that. Um, (laughs) Or like I'm craving this all the time or. Yeah, I love noodles. Noodles. I love noodles. Anybody that follows me, you'll probably see that. I will default to noodles as my comfort food all the time. I grew up eating pho, um, Mm -hmm. so that's the Vietnamese um, noodle soup with rice noodles. Fucking love pho. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. It's cool, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
my mom, she makes stocks of pho for me, yeah. and I'll just leave it in my freezer. So in that way, I'll have individual sized Tupperwares of pho. And oh, I'm um, jealous. then I will just put it on. <laughs> Chastity's laughing because she just remembers our freezer just being stock filled with pho broth. And she's like trying to put stuff in our freezer, and there's so many Tupperwares of just broth in the freezer. <laughs> it's a real thing. And it's like, thank you, Mama Fam, for always making sure that I have my pho ready and available for me, you know, no matter what time of the year it is. And I just love noodles. So I love like thick, chewy noodles. I love soup noodles specifically. So um, I try a lot of different types of noodles. Um, I really love right now uh, wide glass noodles. I mm. have been finding that at the um, Asian market. Um, sometimes I go to H Mart and I'll just look for that specifically. And I'll throw that in with my pho broth um, and then just like like rip up some chicken breasts and like throw in like spinach and like that's a meal for me. Um, and it's so delicious. My other favorite noodles are sweet potato noodles and I love Ooh, that too. Ooh, never heard of that. Yeah, so um, that is super delicious, super yummy too. It's sweet potato vermicelli. Um, yeah, so I love noodles. Um, so where can I get some bomb pho around here? Dorchester. I'm like really serious because people always tell me, but I'm like, I'm self conscious, not self conscious, but like nervous because like I've never gone in and like ordered or like. Yeah. So people are always like, get fun. I'm like, I don't know where to go. So that's the thing. <laughs> and actually, on that note, too, um, a lot of people are afraid of um, different things. cultures of food. And so sometimes I would just suggest going to them, the places that are the cultural pockets within mm -hmm. the city or outside the city. And that's where you're going to find the most authentic dishes. Yeah. Um, because they're made by the people yeah. who know the recipe the best. Yeah, not the trendy hipster. Well, yes, because just because it is um, a little bit, uh, you know, on the more casual side, that's probably because that was the rent that they could afford. And, yeah. you know, it may not be the white tablecloth aesthetic that is super Instagrammable, but mm -hmm. it's the most delicious food. Yeah. And people forget about their taste buds when they're yeah. eating sometimes because of the whole hashtag phone eats first. Like, no, fuck that hashtag. <laughs> Eat your food. And, like, I've been so guilty as a food Instagrammer yeah. to... Um, prioritize taking my photos of food, but I won't ever post something that I don't think is delicious because yeah. that is so misleading. Yeah. And so I would say for pho, go to Dorchester and just in Vietnamese food in general, go to Dorchester. Actually, my favorite Vietnamese spot is in Dorchester too called Balea and that's really amazing. Um, but yeah, and it's, this actually gets into a huge topic that I talk about on my blog a lot, which is cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and um, cultural misrepresentation because um, again, people like to go where they're comfortable going because they're afraid of not knowing. People are afraid of being wrong. People are afraid of not knowing. This is, I am not a psychologist, um, but again, I really do try my best to learn about individuals and learn yeah. about behaviors because this is just a personal interest of mine. And I've also taken a ton of psychology courses because I went to a health science school. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, people are just inherently afraid of just being wrong and being told that they're wrong. And so why would they want to go somewhere where they feel like they're wrong and doing something incorrectly mm -hmm. and instead go somewhere that feels a little bit more comfortable, feels a little bit you know, more natural and quote unquote cleaner or something, even though technically the health regulation says it's an A rating, so it's actually just as clean no matter where you're going. Yeah. And, um, then you know people are going to the places that are not actually representing the dish appropriately mm -hmm. anyway 
pho because I love noodles. Noodles are my favorite food. <laughs> um, and for drinks, I really... Um, so, you know, tiki drinks are fun. Um, if I feel like having uh, a copious amount of sugar in one sitting um, and like to see, like, the, the fire and the fun. So if I'm going for an experience, I'll yeah. go out for tiki drinks. Okay. But if I'm just by myself or if I'm just, like, cashing out with somebody, a lot of times it'll just go for, like, an old-fashioned or something like yeah. that. Um, I really have been getting into trying different types of whiskeys. Okay. So um, I'm getting um, more... Um, affluent in terms of the flavor profiles and learning about what this means in terms of the whiskey process. Um, And I don't drink beer. I don't like beer, really. I've never liked beer ever. But I'm trying to go to breweries more because um, I've, again, tackled different cocktails based on my flavor profiles. I've tackled wines based on my flavor profiles. So I'm imagining that I just need to look at beer in that same perspective and tackle beers uh, based on yeah. flavor profiles. It's got to grow yeah. on you. you got to give it a little Yeah, while. it hasn't quite yet, but I like black coffee and I like whiskey. So I don't know. Maybe I'll eventually find Meet a beer. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. IP, coffee IPA or something. Yeah, so porters and stouts. <laughs> Um, but then it's like, so I've tried porters, I've tried stouts, and I have definitely gravitated to those more, too. Um, but yeah, so I would definitely say noodles and whiskey drinks. Love it. Love it. Um, and kind of to wrap up our little blogger um, chapter, because we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about dating and relationships in a hot second. Um, what is, like, do you have, like, any app, any favorite apps or, like, kind of gadgets or tools that you for sure love to incorporate in creating your content? Yeah, so this has actually changed over the course of time, but um, first and foremost, I always invest in my phone. Um, so whenever I can, I try to make sure that my phone um, is up to date in terms of the camera quality. Um, so my last phone, uh, the phone that I started with when I started the blog was an iPhone 6. And then I moved over to an iPhone 7 Plus, and now I have the iPhone XS Max. This is not sponsored as I say this mm-hmm. right now, but I ha- I do make the time to invest in my phone because mm-hmm. that is first and foremost the gadget that's always going to be with me when I'm on the go and in case I need to go somewhere last minute. I've also taken the time to invest in the camera, so now I'm shooting with the Sony Alpha 6300 um, since that's a mirrorless camera and it's very lightweight, you know, really easy on the go. I have a 50 millimeter lens that I really love using as well too, so I uh, switch out between that um, lens and the kit lens that came with it, which is a 16 to 50 millimeter lens. Um, Recently, I have been really getting into using the Moment lenses. So the Moment lenses are a phone lens, um, and they're glass lenses where you get um, a phone case, and the glass lenses um, get fixed onto uh, the phone case. And then there's an app for $5 that adjusts your phone's um, ISO and shutter speed, and um, you can record videos and you know take photos based on the lens that you're using from them. So I have an anamorphic lens for videography, um, really since cool. I'm trying to get into that. And I have um, a fisheye lens just for fun, because I just think it's a fun uh, you know yeah. texture that's adding to my photos. Um, so in terms of gear, I really take the time to invest in what I have, but also because I'm traveling and on the go, I want to make sure that they're lightweight and portable too. Mm-hmm. That's really important for me. Awesome. 
And what can the listeners and we expect from the Wondering Boston Eater for the rest of this year? Do you have any fun projects, any fun trips planned out there? Yeah, um, so I'm going to do Austin the end of this month for the first time. Um, That's coming off of a work trip, so I'm really excited about that. And um, then afterwards, next month, I'm going to Mexico City with uh, one of my friends. Um, her, Her, she and I actually met each other at a food event and then turns out we were going to be working at the same pharmaceutical company together later so we bumped into each other afterwards at work so she's also a food and travel blogger as well as in the pharmaceutical industry too so we really connect in a lot of ways it's awesome she just moved over to the west coast um, moved back to the west coast i should be saying um and we're, we're planning on meeting up in mexico city so i'm very excited her handle is gourmet pigs um fiona miss you a lot um can't wait to see you in mexico city and that's gonna be so fun that's yeah awesome. <laughs> i'm really excited it's gonna be memorial day weekend so it's a weekend trip but it's still gonna be a fun trip um but then the big trip that i'm really trying to plan and save up for right now is doing an asia trip because i've never been to asia i'd like to do japan and maybe south korea specifically but japan is definitely the focus in terms of where i would like to go um so that will hopefully be this december i can go Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see where the rest of your travels take you, all the awesome content. I went on like a liking spree the other day. I was like, <laughs> so much yummy food. I love to look at food even if I'm not eating it all the time. So like, I'm a huge supporter. I love your brand. I love your presence. I'm so excited you're on here right now. Thank we can you. take a little mini break and then we can kind of jump right back in to talk about relationships. And Brenda has a lot to say about that, okay? All right. So we're doing kind of a two-part segment. We're going to be talking about kind of dating and relationships and The reason I wanted to focus on this topic with Brenda is because having, you know, being so transparent with her life, being out there, sharing her content, her personal life, her work life, everything, she gets a lot of uh, interesting encounters going on and she has no problem with the hashtag screenshot, I'm going to put you out there, uh, issues. So, Brenda, tell us more about how people be sliding into your DMs and most of the time saying like weird or disrespectful or like odd things and like how you kind of approach that and have no problem calling people out most and of just the, see your experience yeah <laughs> um most of the time i actually try to ignore it but then it's just like sometimes there are just the comments that just really trigger me and are just really upsetting so like when people specifically talk about my body size or my weight um or my ethnicity mm-hmm I will not hesitate to be like, yo, hold up. You got to stop right there. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not even just like a passing comment. It's like it's not, a lot of times they're really aggressive. Like they'll they'll say very like sexually explicit things to me. And then the moment I reject them, then suddenly they're they're horrifically insulting. And if that's the 180 that I experience, I don't need that kind of toxic masculinity yeah. in my life. For sure. Can you give us some like examples? What are some examples of like the the commentary that goes through that like really triggers? It you? is like not PG. Okay, let's first off say it, like <laughs> you know, start with that. Um, I've gotten a ton of unsolicited pictures of certain body parts from oh, here another we go. Uh, person that is not uh, breasts. First, I should say. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, it's, they're scary. Um, 
but I think I could probably make a mosaic, a mosaic now at this point um, of, uh, <laughs> of, that, of that specific body part out of all the specific body parts from various people that I have received. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so are you, would you say right now you're currently dating or on any of like the dating apps? Um, I don't, I've lost track. What, what are all the dating apps right now? Bumble... Tinder, says, says like the, the inner relationship. Yeah, like I don't um, know. So I want to yeah. know, like, are you dating right now? Are you on the apps? Tell me about the apps. Like, what's going I am down? Incredibly single. Um, I've been single for about six years now. Um, I've actually only ever been in one relationship in my whole life, um, and that was a relationship that started the end of my uh, senior year of high school mm-hmm. and uh, lasted almost the entirety of my college experience. Yeah. So pretty much my whole ex- my whole adult experience um, in moving into Boston has been me being single and finding myself. Yeah, I am currently not on any dating apps because um, again I have been single for about six years, so I have seen it all. I have also seen the same people so many times. I have actually developed friendships with people I've never met from matching with them so many times. <laughs> Yes, this is a real thing that has happened, and there are actually several people who follow me on Wandering Boston Eater who have matched with me on Tinder and Bumble so many times, and like we've talked about meeting up and never have, and then now they've moved away, but they still keep in touch with me on Instagram, and I'm like, why didn't you ever ask me out on a single date? Please, if you were one of those men, tell me why you never asked me out on a single date, but are still following me to this day and looking at my every journey and following all of my photos and liking all of my pictures, but again, never took the time to meet me in person. I don't understand. They're lurking. Yeah, they're orbiters. (laughs) So what would you say is, what is the biggest flaw with this, like, app dating situation nowadays from having been on them even though you're not currently on them um i would say it's so easy to objectify people and that has been one of my biggest grievances and also one of the things again that i call out people the most because so often and i am i solicited on um both instagram through my dms as well as on dating apps where um if it's if, it doesn't matter if it's Tinder or Bumble or OkCupid or you know Hinge, no matter what, I've always received the, hey, I've never been with an Asian before. Wow, I really love a woman with curves. Wow, your breasts look so huge. I really like your lips. Your eyes look very almond-shaped and oriental. And I'm like, what, what the, the f- <laughs> Yeah, um, but most often, more often than not, it's 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 a lot about my like fetishizing me because they've never been with an Asian before. And yeah, and I'm imagining it just has to do with the stereotypes that come with being Asian um, and how, you know, the stereotypes of being, like, meek and shy and, yeah. you know, obedient and yeah. whatever. And, you know, it's, I, I think that it's safe to say that I am the opposite of all stereotypes that have come together. Yeah. Um, and also, I just don't even like to identify with anything that is, uh, you know, relating to a stereotype because... Um, I just want to, I don't want other people to put me in a box. Yeah. And why are they, who, who allows that, you know, who allows them and has provided them that privilege of putting me in a box and their own definition that I have not defined myself. Yeah. And it's like, it's strange because like, it almost feels like they're opening line, like how they're connecting with you is this like superficial, stereotypical, like, but it's like on the flip side though too, like. 
and I, I, I get it because it's just it's just giving people um, an easier access in terms of how they would assess who they would want to speak with in real life anyway because um, you know unfortunately many of us are um, living in a world where we do have some terms of standards of level of attraction and what that attraction means whether it's physical or mental um, is prioritized and if it's a physical attraction that is prioritized then yeah it would be only certain people would um, attract certain people or um, you know you would immediately look at certain uh, features and everything too but it's like we're living in a world where that's so fixated and um, it's so unrealistic because you know nobody is an average of a size zero um, to be blunt it's like the average size for women in America is size 12 through 16 so why aren't we seeing more people like that and then because that's so rare um, from being seen in media then men feel the need well not just men there are women too but there are people in general yes there are people in general who feel the need to focus on that and decide to focus on um, objectifying people because that's just the way we have been brainwashed to view other individuals worth and identity and that ultimately leads to how we choose to interact with people and unfortunately on dating apps that is a lot of times the driver of what causes people to want to talk to me so I've never had an issue of not enough people matching with me as yeah. much as I've had an issue of needing to filter out somebody who actually wants to talk to me for me as an individual as a human being and not as uh, a sex object um, to fulfill their fantasies of finally you know, having sex with an Asian and or having sex with somebody who is like a BBW. I had to actually Google what BBW meant um, <laughs> the first time I was told this. And then so many men are like, oh, wow, you're a BBW. And I was like, I have no idea what this means. And then I was like, oh, big, beautiful woman. Okay. Thank you for seeing me as that. Like, I too think I'm beautiful because I have a fantastic fucking personality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you had like any good experience? Like, I know you said like you've brought a couple dates to your like your events, or like you're just like yo, like do you want to come with me to this launch party or something? Have you had any good experiences? Or this, by the look on your face right now, it looks like we might have more horror stories slash funny stories. But I'll let you kind of dive into that. Well, I just took thirty seconds to think about it, and there are no good experiences that come to mind. <laughs> So um, I'm going to have to say no, um, unfortunately, and there's a reason why. It's, you know, we either didn't match up, um, I wanted something, well, because I want to connect with people um, on a more emotional level from being so tired of being objectified, um, this oftentimes triggers um, the men that I am meeting and dating um, to think that I'm trying to tie them down mm -hmm. and tie the knot and I'm like I don't even know you as a person I don't even know if I like you that much as a human being yet yeah. um, but because I don't even have that opportunity to get to know um, somebody as an individual it doesn't really work out that way um, yeah. so sometimes it will just be like I you know the two of us we engage in like a day or two meeting um, and then it just fizzles out and I've had more first dates than I 
ever imagined I would have. I would not be able to quantify this because I've actually lost count. Um, <laughs> and um, I've been on so few second dates, and I don't even remember the last time I went on a third date with somebody because it's been that long. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I use my um, events that I have and my plus one experiences as opportunities to meet people because that's how I'm spending my time. And yeah. if we're already going to be going somewhere to either get food or get drinks, then why not already tie it in with a time that I would already be getting food and drinks on my own? But I think that sometimes this also intimidates people because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, this doesn't give them the opportunity to try to pay for drinks. And, you know, I'm the one that's taking them out or something. Yeah. And it's. Um, an age of uh, role reversal, I guess, or um, the fact that there's even an opportunity that like women even know how to stand on their own two feet nowadays and open the door for themselves, like that is <gasps> blasphemy. Yeah. So um, I've actually been told more often than not that I'm intimidating, um, and yeah. I'm like, what? Me? I mean, like, I guess like I have goals. And aspirations, yeah. but I wouldn't consider myself an intimidating person because half the time I can't stop laughing. So yeah. I don't know unless that's like a joker thing. I'm not too sure. And how like how do you feel about being called intimidating? Because I feel like intimidating can almost be just from like speaking to you in these couple of moments, hours. I don't know how long it's been, guys. Um, I feel like being independent and driven and goal-oriented is transferring into this term intimidating. I think so too. And, you know, if somebody is calling me intimidating, for me that actually makes me uh, categorize and identify them in two ways. One, um, one way is they don't deserve my time then because I would probably be putting so much of myself behind ahead of, and then having this person be ahead for no fucking reason. Yeah. That it's not worth it. And then I will then find myself in another relationship that's like a 30-70 relationship, which mm -hmm. I don't want to be in. Two, um, it's I understand that some people need to be with people and some people want to be with people. Mm -hmm. um, and... For me, I want to be with people. I am incredibly independent, and I don't feel like um, when I'm dating somebody that it's because I need them to fulfill another part of me. Mm -hmm. It's because I want them to be another gear. piece. Mm -hmm. of, uh, so it's like we are two gears, and we are connecting with each yeah. other, and we're making something work. Mm -hmm. We're functioning units individually, but together we're becoming a more cohesive unit that is working and fitting in well with each other. Um, and, you know, that just means that we just haven't aligned if somebody's calling me intimidating because there's clearly something that they're looking for and it's not what I'm looking for. Then. Yeah. And that's fine. But that's why it's good to set intentions. Yeah. Again, intentions are really important and communicating about what exactly you want is important too. People don't know nowadays whether or not they want to get to know somebody, um, to be in a relationship with somebody, or are just looking for a hookup. And it's yeah. fine if that's all they're looking for, but just say that. Just be blunt and be like, look, I just want to be real. I don't want anything more from you aside from a sexual relationship. But, you know, this is what I do have the threshold to do right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, okay. Then, you know, two mutually consenting adults will be like, fine. Um, but if it's one person is misleading the other person by saying like i you know think you're a great person um blah 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 try to start emotionally courting them but then actually then decide to pull back because it's just 
quote unquote too, too much. much. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like, well, why was it too much? What was too much about it? What is your threshold? Do you even know yourself as an individual to understand mm-hmm. where exactly your limitations and restrictions are? Yeah. Because if you don't, then maybe that is something you need to take some time to evaluate for yourself. And for me, it's like I I know that, you know, six years ago when I was first single, like I did I needed to have some time for myself and find myself as an individual. Six years turned into a year, which turned into two years, which turned into three years. And like in the last couple of years, it's like I really feel like I am a solid pillar for myself now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been able to truly say like, yeah, if I were to find somebody and meet somebody right now, I think that I could um, make it work. And I hope that they would want to make it work with me too. I thought I was ready for this a few years ago, but I really wasn't because I still was looking to find myself and exploring my own passions and interests too. So if somebody thinks that I'm intimidating, it's because I found myself and maybe they just need to find themselves too. Yeah. And I think them even like insinuating that, oh, you're intimidating or your behaviors or your, the way you interact is intimidating. It just shows that like they're not on the same level. And I think the whole the whole spiel you just gave right now literally demonstrates that. Um, so if they're not on the same level, like you said, why even waste your time? Because at the end of the day, you're both the two corks moving and spinning around and just trying to function as one because that, you need to be on the same page. And it's like being on the same level doesn't necessarily mean need to mean being on the same professional level, which, again, so many people have that perception that, like, you're – And this is actually one of my biggest pet peeves is meeting people, especially in Boston. Mm -hmm. The first few questions that are asked is, where did you go to school? What do you do for work? What company do you work in? And it's like, why does it matter? And it's like, where do you go to school? Because if it's not any of the big names, you're you're written off the list. What do you do for work? And it's like, okay, well, what is your actual job? And it's like, if you're not in the tech, pharma, health industry or something, you're almost immediately written off. And it's like, what company do you work at? If it's not a big name that people recognize from seeing in the city, because unfortunately, as amazing as it is that Boston is such an innovative city in terms of um, what we have um, for technology, for pharmaceutics, for healthcare, um, and even just for the nonprofit scene and everything here too, um, if you're not in a name brand, people are going to look at you differently. Mm-hmm. So. I hate that question. I hate that people are always judging, like, based on what you do and not who you are. So when it's talking for me, when it's talking about, you know, being on the same level, it's being on the same level emotionally, mentally, um, and just, like, understanding, like, are we on the same page, like, to move forward? Because you and I could have two totally different professions, but if we are both very comfortable with each other as individuals, it doesn't matter how little or as much time we spend with each other, um, as long as we're continuously able to communicate with each other because we're trying to be on the same page. Yeah, for sure. That's really important. Can you talk a little bit about the partner, the the men you think you attract versus what ideally you'd love to attract and would be that partner that you say, like, we're, we can work this out. It's it. I can see this functioning. <laughs> so kind of like current what's sliding in your DMs versus, like, Prince Charming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I really have stopped trying to imagine Prince Charming because I think that that's such a, a, a romantic comedy trope that has infiltrated Definitely. my mind growing up and led to actually a really toxic mindset for me growing mm-hmm. up and setting expectations in terms of what I imagined 
finding love and relationships are supposed to be like. Yeah. Um, I grew up being a huge Disney fan and um, had very unrealistic expectations of like what it meant to be in a relationship and how it meant that I have to give so much of myself um, in order to make somebody happy. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, why? Why do I need to sacrifice myself? What about other people sacrificing themselves for me too? Shouldn't mm -hmm. we both be, if one person's sacrificing, the other person should also be sacrificing too? We're in this together, so why is yeah. it so one-sided? So Prince Charming is not really something I imagine anymore. Um, and I guess the people that, I'm actually asking myself the same question is, what type of person am I attracting? Who are the people that I'm attracting? Because I'm pretty tired of uh, attracting the people who are like sexualizing me and objectifying me. And I just don't understand how to get away from that. So honestly, this is a question I'm still trying to evaluate and understand too. Mm -hmm. um, so I've done so many social experiments on these dating apps, yeah. um, you know, I have to admit, um, where I'll like, so on Bumble, for example, I'll like, my opening line will be like, hey, uh, do you want to get coffee or do you want to hook up? And I've asked 20 people this in a row. And I'm like, all right, what's the percentage of people who's going to say? Answer truthfully. Yeah. And, you know, 20 out of 20 said hook up. And, okay. uh, yeah. And I was like kind of flabbergasted by that. I was like, wow, I was expecting definitely a high percentage of people, but not like yeah. literally a hundred percent of the people I asked, yeah. um, within this hour. Um, responded, you know, almost immediately too. like they want to hook up instead of um, getting coffee. And so this has led to a lot of different social experiments too. like um, when Chelsea and I lived together uh, before Tinder really set any restrictions on um, how many swipes we could do. We were snowed in one year and I didn't know they put a restriction. Now they do. Yeah. So like a daily limit or something. Yeah. Oh. Um, but this is like when Tinder was really like first kicking off and everything too. Um, there was one year that we were snowed in. Um, this was at our first apartment. We're like living in the basement of a house in Brighton and, uh, we're snowed in and we're like, well, all right, goodbye world. We'll see you in like, I don't know, whenever the snow melts. So I just started like seeing how many people I could swipe um, and what was the percentage of people that would match me. Yeah. Um, and I was like actually like counting, I was like one, two, three, and I was like counting up to like a hundred people that I swiped mm -hmm. and then seeing how many people matched me. Yeah. And of those people, how many people would like message me and everything mm -hmm. too. And I actually like started calculating these percentages because I just wanted to understand like what were people, why were people talking to me? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to understand like what was like attracting me to other people. And so I don't know that answer. I still don't know that answer. I hope I will find that answer one day because I would like to change um, the type of people I'm attracting because I don't want to attract the people who only want to objectify me, who only want to sexualize me, who are only interested in fetishizing me. I want to find the people um, and hopefully attract the people who want to get to know me as an individual. Mm -hmm. I think you already are one step there. Like you said, you completely removed yourself from your apps. Sounds like, sounds like a winning deal right there because... <laughs> Well, just from your social experience, it seems like the the high caliber candidates on there are non-existent. That's not necessarily true, though, too, because there are definitely people who have found their current husbands on yeah. these dating apps. And this is just the way that the times have evolved mm -hmm. in terms of how people speak and meet with each other. Now. Yeah. I just decided I just I'm currently fatigued from yeah. it all. And it's just not good for my mental health to really take the time to be like, oh, my gosh, like, do I want to see who's going to match with me? And it's like, oh, here I am disappointed again, a little bit distressed. And then mm -hmm. afterwards feeling the need to like kind of pick myself up again and yeah. everything, too. 
So for me, I'm removing that equation right now, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be back on it in the yeah. future. I might be, and maybe I'll say hello to one of my Tinder friends. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, can you, when you walked in here, you whipped out this very interesting book that you're reading right now that kind of goes hand in hand with our topic right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your fun read? Yeah. So um, the other day I went to um, the Boston Globe's Love Letters 10 year anniversary party. Love that podcast. Yeah. I started listening to the podcast um, season two because it's focused on how to meet people um, and dating because the modern day of meeting people is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And it follows the journey of this one person named Erin who um, is in her 40s and she um, you know, seemingly has like nothing wrong going on. She yeah. seems like a very ideal person to go out and date. So why is she having such difficulty meeting people? So listening to Meredith speak to her and like uh, also conduct their own social experiments in terms yeah, of yeah, how yeah. they can meet people is really fascinating. So I went to this um, love letters ten year anniversary party. And um, I haven't listened to Love Letters uh, season one, and I haven't really read too much of the advice column itself, too. I've read mm-hmm. here, uh, pieces here and there, but it turns out there's actually a whole like cult following of people who comment um, really? from some of the trivia questions that were um, asked during the anniversary party because it seems like there are regular commenters who speak with each other and have yeah. actually found love with each like other friends. in the commenting. <laughs> yeah. So at the 10-year anniversary party, Meredith introduced somebody um, who, uh, whose book was left on her desk. And the book is titled How to Date Men When You Hate Men uh, by Blythe Robertson. So Blythe read an excerpt of this book that was just so hilarious to me, and I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but I would love to see if I could find it because this um, I've never read this book. I've never heard of this book until I was at this event. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just so hilarious to me when she was reading it because I just felt like, oh, wow. It seems like she's going to be basically taking my internal dialogue of how I feel about dating and then putting it down on pen and paper, which almost makes me mad that I just haven't done this first then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if I can find this. And the book itself is, like, really catchy. Like, it has these neon colors. I, for one, like, when I'm in a bookstore, I just want to, like, pick up books and look at them. And even though I know it's probably not the genre I would enjoy, this book I would definitely probably read. (laughs) But um, I'm talking more about, like, the the aesthetic of, like, a book cover and how it could just be, like, so attractive to the eye. This one is, like, this cute little periwinkle I want to say with like some hot pink yeah there's definitely an aesthetic to this book too the the back says funny sharp and feminist fun in a way where led to believe isn't possible feminist fun in a way oh it's saying the feminist fun is usually thought not to be possible but this book is gotcha okay um So, flirts that work. This is page 67 on how to date men. Um, Paying attention. According to journalist Anne Friedman, flirting is undivided attention. For men, all you need to do in order to be attractive is pay attention when a woman talks. For women, the bar is much higher. (laughs) She read this excerpt uh, during the 10-year anniversary party, and I was losing my mind. She also went through bad flirts that do not work, so this was actually really hilarious too. Standing completely still and not doing anything. 
This flirt works at the end of a date to get someone to kiss you. It does not work to catch someone's eye and get them to ask you on a date. I've definitely um, had moments at coffee shops when I'm like sitting there and thinking, wow, this person's attractive. I wonder if he'll come up and talk to me and I'll just like flip my hair constantly or I don't know, touch my hair a lot. I do that when I get very nervous or <laughs> I'm just like looking to just like get my hands to do something. Um, and instead it just makes me look neurotic, I've learned. So um, I'm trying not to do that anymore. <laughs> and also it just like this doesn't, this doesn't bring anybody to talk to me. Like the only way somebody's going to talk to me is if I talk to them, I realize. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so she comes up with like a whole list of like what are good ways to flirt and what are bad ways to flirt in this one uh, chapter called Flirting. Um, another one in the good ways to flirt, um, it's good analog flirts that work is, is what it's called is, um, actually I'll go through and read this whole part of this, um, page because yeah. I think it's hilarious. Um, making weird eyes. There's something that happens to people's eyes right when they're trying to kiss you. They're unfocused or maybe way too focused without context. It looks like they're fixing to kill you in context, solid flirt, <laughs> refusing to leave. A great low effort, low bravery flirt that gets the point across. And you feel uncomfortable, but just sticking around until every other, uh, everyone other than your crush leaves the party or the bar significantly raises your chance of smooching. <laughs> Saying your crush's full name to their face. I have no idea why this works. It's a spell? We live in a narcissistic culture? It's super weird. And when hot, and when hot people are weird, it's a flirt? <laughs> Sitting your crush down, asking their zodiac sign, and then reading them your full two-page sextrology compatibility profile. <laughs> I've never felt more powerful than when doing this. So she read this excerpt on the, the how-tos and how-not-to-flirt, and I just knew I had to get this book. Yeah, I gotta look into that book. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and um, she she's like she's my age, too. She's 27. Um, she went she to school in Boston. Um, she lives in Brooklyn now. Yeah. Um, but then uh, at the end of the event, I bought her book spontaneously because I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna restart reading this this weekend. And uh, I chatted with her um, for a little bit, and it was just really great to hear like why she decided to start writing this. But also, she said um, when people write about like dating, um, you know, most of the time it ends with, okay, and now I'm in a relationship and I'm living happily ever after. Yeah. So she finished the book and she's like, all right. Where's, where's my future partner? Yeah. And uh, he hasn't showed up yet, so he or she has not showed up yet. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe someday soon, Blythe. Maybe someday soon. Um, I like this because you said she's, she's our age, so it's like this is very obviously like tangible, present-day information. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to check it out. I got to follow her on her social media channels. Um, but I know you got to run out soon. So if you have any kind of like closing thoughts or kind of circling back to what kind of brought us to this topic, like you, you're not scared to tell people like on your social media, like this is what happened to me and this is why it's not cool. And this is what gets under my skin. Um, and kind of how you directly address it or yeah. I don't know, talk about that. Uh, yeah, I do this on my <laughs> social media page because, um, you know, a lot of times I end up finding myself stood up on dates. Yeah. So I talk about this because this leads me to go to a bar and just get a drink by myself. And it's not brave of me to go to a bar by myself and drink alone or dine out alone. Um, it's just an experience that I just had to put myself in because what is my other alternative than at that point? There isn't one. I've been stood up. And 
I talk about this because this is an actual experience that I'm going through and there's again no way that I'm the only one that's going through these experiences so mm-hmm. I'm utilizing my platform to talk about you know my food travel dining experiences and connecting with people but I want to just bring topics up that relate to the content that I'm putting out and you know sometimes the content I'm putting out is after I've been stood up on a date or after I had a really bad date or after yeah. I had a really bad comment um, and just amongst other topics too so it's like this it's not just dating that I talk about but it's also again cultural appropriation my body image and everything too and just like my physical appearance my race and everything and yeah I talk about all these things because these are all things that make me an individual that's hopefully more relatable because I'm just hoping that I'm connecting with people because I want to know who else is out there in the world that's feeling what I'm feeling too. So it's not just about me putting out content to see who's connected with me, but it's like, who am I going to be able to connect with? Because I'm still on this searching journey too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be our wrap up for today. Like literally you've blown me away. You have so many amazing thoughts and anecdotes and experiences like I said before, huge fan. I am ever grateful that you came to hang out with me today for an hour and a half and some change. We had some coffee. Just real quick, if you want to throw out your handle there, I know I've said it like 16 times, but where can we find you on Instagram if you have any other social media pages? Yeah, so um, my Instagram is at Wandering Boston Eater. That's wandering like you're exploring, not wondering. Um, so that's wandering, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, Boston Eater. Um, you can also find me at wanderingbostoneater.com. Again, wandering. Um, so that's my blog. And uh, yeah, those are the two main pages. And then from those two pages, you'll actually be able to find any other social handles that are not as prevalent, but still kind of there. All right. So go on there, follow Brenda and her adventures, soon to be in Austin and Mexico. Um, and again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Stop, Drop, and Glow podcast. Please be sure to share this episode with your friends and your loved ones. And don't forget to show some love by dropping a review and subscribing. Please find us on Instagram at Stop, Drop, and Glow podcast. See you next time. And remember, honey, the glow up is always real.